0: Broadcasting from the center of oddity and the supernatural in Central Florida. It's the History Goes Bump podcast.
1: Hello, you spectacular people. Welcome to this fourth and last episode of the Haunted Circus miniseries. Oh, it's the last one. I know. I'm your host, Diane. And this is Kelly. How you doing, Kelly? I've been better. (laughs) If you want me to be honest, you're not worried about the virus. It's your back aching. Yeah, according to you, I guess I have a pinched nerve. Yeah, I think you do. It's good times. We'll get through this. Yes, we will. This episode, we're going to be talking about the Ringlings in Florida. And this is where we went just a few weeks ago, Kelly, to check out the Circus Museum and Cotazan, which was the home of John and Mabel Ringling. It was such a fantastic day. It was. We had a really great time. You guys have heard bits and pieces of it. This is where we visited the miniature circus and that kind of thing. So you guys have already heard little bits and pieces, but now you're going to get the full story behind our trip down there.
2: I want to go back again.
1: <laughs> I do too, but I, I guess we'll have to wait till everything opens up again. Well, true. We got it right in the nick of time. We did. We did. We want to welcome into the spectacular crew, Jonathan J.P.A.E. Somania. Sarah with an H, Maddie with a Y, and Erica.
2: Welcome to the crew, everybody. Florida would become the final home for the Ringling Brothers and Barnum & Bailey Circus. John Ringling would be the final surviving brother of the five who built the circus. He would build his mansion in Sarasota and call it Katazan. John would also build a museum for his art collection. This whole complex would eventually house the Circus Museum as well. Several buildings here and other locations connected to the Ringlings are rumored to be haunted. Join us on our final episode of The Haunted Circus mini-series as we talk about the ringlings in Florida.
1: we spent an entire day exploring what Sarasota calls the Ringling. It's just a very basic name, the Ringling. This campus is home to the historic Asolo Theater, Bayfront Gardens, Museum of Art, Johnson Blaylock Education Center, Circus Museum, and Catazan. As we talked about on the first episode, we were joined by our listener Debbie and the Ringling's PR specialist, Virginia Harshman. You will hear their voices on this episode again, as well as Joe Colosa, who will share some ghost stories about Katazan. That's something the docents here don't like to talk about, the hauntings. But not talking about ghosts doesn't make the experiences just go away. Before we get into the spooky stuff, though, we need to talk about the circus moving down here to Florida and talk about John Ringling and his nephew namesake, John Ringling North. These would be the last two men in the Ringling family to have control of the circus before the Feld family would take ownership.
2: John Nicholas Ringling was born on May 31st, 1866 in McGregor, Iowa. As we mentioned in episode 3, John was one of the brothers who founded their circus, and he would eventually come to be known as the Circus King. He was the second tallest of the brothers, standing at 6 foot 1 inches, and although he had a commanding size, he was soft-spoken. He wore his hair in a non-fashionable round hairstyle that became his own distinctive style. One thing we noticed from his closet is that he wore the clothes of a dandy with lots of straw hats, and his shoes were remarkably narrow and long for a man of his stature. We
1: definitely noticed that. It was very unusual.
2: Yeah, it it stood out to me immediately.
1: Yeah, so these were definitely custom-made shoes because I've never seen any that are quite so narrow and long. Usually if you've got longer feet, they're they're wider. wider.
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he was a man who enjoyed nice clothing.
1: Oh, yes, he did. He liked to dress (laughs) up for sure.
2: Definitely. So I'm sure that they were custom made for him to get them just the way he liked them.
1: And that was something about the Ringling Brothers. They all liked to wear their suits with their ties and everything. They were kind of known as the Sunday school circus. Yeah, they always looked very professional. Yeah, they wanted to seem like they were more family oriented and more churchy, I guess. So they made sure to always be dressed to the nines.
2: And although John started out from humble beginnings, he became a very rich man who liked to spend money on fine things. His spending habits would eventually lead to financial ruin when the Great Depression hit.
1: John was the clown in the family. His first role with the circus was that of the Dutch clown. As the circus became more of a business, he took over the booking, signing contracts, and scheduling. He was the advance man. As we said in the previous episode, he took care of moving the circus where it needed to go. He was the one who moved the circus from wagons to railway in 1890. Most people describe John as a human encyclopedia on road and local conditions. That's how much he knew about being the advanced man. And he loved to go to small towns because he figured they could do a lot better there than in the big cities. Sure. And he was quite prepared, it sounds like. The success of the circus soared. And after they bought the Barnum & Bailey Circus, they made back their investment in that circus in one season.
2: Wow. I mean, that's really impressive.
1: Yeah, to the tune of $410,000 at that time. Holy crud. Yeah, so (laughs) they definitely made a good investment in bringing that circus on board. Absolutely. And if you think about it, they ran them as two separate circuses. So twice the money, really. That's fantastic. John then turned to investing to make more money. He invested in oil, railroads, and real estate. His brother Charles was buying land in Sarasota, Florida, and he did the same. The two brothers were the last of the five, and they co-owned the circus. In 1926, John would become sole owner when Charles died. He would move the circus headquarters to Sarasota in 1927. I think he figured, you know, I'm moving myself down there. Why don't I just bring everything with me?
2: Makes sense to me. John married Mabel Burton in Hoboken, New Jersey in 1905. Mabel had come from a small farming community in Ohio and didn't talk much about herself. She was very private about that and only gave one interview. The couple would be a mix of big city life with apartments in Chicago and New York and small Gulf Coast living with a home in Sarasota. The Ringlings' first home in Sarasota was Palm's Elysian, and they bought it in 1911. This was a frame clapboard house that was built by Buffalo Bill's Wild West show manager, Charles N. Thompson. The house was nice, but it didn't really reflect their life. They wanted something bigger, and we would say ostentatious?
1: (laughs) Just a little. (laughs)
2: Well, that was their preference. That was their their style of decorating.
1: Hey, if you've got the money and you want to be flashy, go right ahead. Whatever you like. I tell you what, if I could build a mansion, it would be flashy with all kinds of Tim Burton effects and Oh, heck yeah. <laughs> wonderful things like that. So,
2: from what I remember, it wasn't necessarily what was in style at the time Mm-mm. how they decorated the mansion, but mm-hmm. it was their preference. That's what they enjoyed, and that's all that matters. Yep. The Ringlings bought more land and increased their estate to 36 acres. Then they chose architect Dwight James Baum of New York to design their mansion. They had spent a lot of time in Europe touring, looking for new circus acts and buying art. But for Mabel, Italy was like a home away from home. So it is no surprise that this mansion would be designed like a Venetian palazzo. The style would be Venetian
1: Gothic, and they would call it
2: Katazan, which means House of John.
1: At first when we went there, I'm like, Katazan? What in the world? What kind of a name is that for a house? Very different. But then when we heard that that's what it meant in Italian, we were like, oh, okay. Completely made sense. We approached Cottazan, and Virginia starts to talk about the house, which to us was a fairly gaudy in style, I would have to say. Well, just a little over the top compared to
3: what <laughs> we would prefer personally. Yeah, And Mabel was very... Involved in the design of it. Dwight Baum was the architect, but Mabel, uh, Mabel went around with the eel skin portfolio with all of these colors and samples of things that she wanted. And so, all these colors and the paint and that she personally chose on the uh, plans, you know, they say the house of John on the plans, it said the house of Mrs. John Ringling. So, gotcha. It really is. Yes. Um, and they'd started off, I think their budget was like $400,000 and they ended spending like one. A lot of change orders. On this yeah, a little bit. A little over budget? <laughs> a little over budget, yes. But we can go inside and uh, take a look. I don't know how much of the house you're interested in seeing. We can. Uh, there's uh, actually three floors.
1: <laughs> so yeah, as you heard Virginia talking there, the house went way over the budget as Mabel headed up the design using postcards, photos, and sketches to inspire the architect. I can just imagine this architect, he would see Mabel coming up that drive and probably would just start going, oh, gosh, what's it going to be today?
2: (laughs) What's getting changed?
1: What's getting added? Word was (laughs) they argued round and round. And the main thing is, who's paying you to do this? That's true. So you got to keep the lady pleased. So he went with a lot of the things that she wanted. There were a few things that they compromised on because it was just hard for him to do the building. And originally... I think this is the reason why it went over budget. They agreed upon a price. Well, when she started adding on all these extra things, he's like, this is going to be extra time. This is going to be extra material. We're going to do it according to what you add on. We're going to add on. Sounds like a few HGTV shows that we watch. (laughs) Anytime any of my clients are getting any kind of remodeling or anything done, I'm like, how much did they tell you it was going to cost you? And they're like, you know, oh, $50,000. And I'm like, figure a dollars Yeah, because it's always going (laughs) to double. It has everywhere I've ever worked. Yep. The mansion is 22,000 square feet and has 32 rooms and 15 bathrooms with four stories. There's also a full basement, which is completely unheard of in Florida. We don't have basements here. Right. And being right next to the Gulf. That's what I just thought was crazy. I'm like here in Central Florida where we are, we can't have basements because if they dig down too far, they hit the water table. Right. So I'm like, there, you got to be hitting a water table.
2: And it was right up next to the, the gulf. Mm-hmm. I mean, literally. Yeah,
1: you could jump from their house right into the water, really, if you wanted to. Yep. Terracotta tea blocks, brick, concrete, stucco, and glazed tiles were used in the construction. And what gives the mansion that gaudy feel are the embellishments of ornamental cresting in a variety of colors from blue to red, to yellow to green, and decorative medallions, tiles, balusters. Remember when we were on the back patio area where you could overlook the water? They actually, at the time, spiritualism was pretty big when they were moving in. Mm -hmm. And they even had some gargoyles and window embellishments that looked kind of like a dragon or something, didn't it? Yes, they did. Yeah, so it was very cool. And I have those pictures, too, so we can post them. Yeah, we'll get lots of pictures up. We took lots of pictures there so you can get a feel for what these different rooms are that we're going to be talking about and what the outside of it looks like. 16th century tiles were imported from Spain and used to build the roof. We arrived at the front door, which is fashioned in the Renaissance style and made from weathered walnut and mahogany. The stairs leading up to it are made from purple Formosa marble made in Germany. After entering, we see one of the many painted ceilings we will see in this house. This is in the ballroom. And here's a soundbite from that. Wow.
3: been the main entry, Holy So souls. you would have been driven up in one of John's limousines, and we then walked into in. this. Your luggage would be taken up to your room, uh, they would have entertained mostly uh, a lot to the Detroit This is the ball door. It's gorgeous. John and Mabel were prolific partiers. <laughs> they had a yacht, yeah, they, have oh. they had seven yachts, they had a yachts they either all burned or sunk. We got to call that they would park out there at the dock. With a Czechoslovakian band on it, uh, it's funny. He brought the band over from Czechoslovakia, so they're just called the Czechoslovakian band. And they would play, and they would have five hundred people here spilling out onto the patio. Wow! Um, the ceiling here is painted by a Hungarian artist named uh, Willy Pagani, and it is dances of the world.
1: I was going to say it has all different yeah. cultures.
3: And in the corner are the American dancers. Okay. <laughs>
1: Imagine painting that, yikes. Yeah, and he did a, he
3: was other work inside the house, too. Mabel actually had like three or four artists in here, and everything's painted. I love the doors. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I've been in the playroom before <laughs> yes. where they've got the ceiling, and, and yes. Mabel and John are painted. That was Willie Pagani, too. I figured it was yeah. the same artist. So cool. Yeah, it's really cool. They uh, still have, do you still have events here, like wine, the Wine Night? Wine, wine Walk is coming store, up. Yeah, out
1: and those dancing couples that we were talking about there, there are 22 of them painted on the ceiling.
2: We go into the breakfast room, which was the family dining room, and Virginia shares about why there are gates that could be closed going into this room.
3: This is the breakfast room. This is where, oh my gosh, look at these chairs. Breakfast and lunch with their guests. The metal gates back there, uh, they had quite a few pets living in the house. We know that Mabel had four or five miniature pinchers, John had some big dogs, they had some birds. There's all sorts of stories about there being many circus animals living here, which we don't know for a fact, but they had those gates there because when they had guests in here who did not want to be bothered by animals, they could close the gates. There's also a great story about there was a gorilla who had gotten ill and Mabel had a special little place built for her and nursed her back to health out here in the front lawn. Yeah, so really cool. (laughs) Oh, the one of the yes, gross yeah, yeah. hunting yes, food? Yes. The story of Ron told, yeah, so they had a picture and then they would go. Like raw raw meat, game, like just hunted, like a dead pheasant. Yeah. So what John and Mabel would do, they didn't particularly like it. They sent you on this side of the street. you had to look at it the whole time. Yeah, gross still life. Yeah. We,
1: uh, saw this Victorian home, it's the General Dodge House, it's in Iowa, and there was a painting there that was a hunting, and yes. so there's like dead animals hanging on this thing, and his wife hated it, so every time he'd leave town, she'd pull that portrait up. <laughs> she was like, why is that in our dining room? Yeah, yeah,
3: apparently, that wasn't a thing to do, but yeah. <laughs> um, so- Glass is um, all hand blown. Wow! Interestingly, there is a bedroom upstairs that matches each of the colors in
1: the glass. I just love that it's all those different colors yeah, too. Really Kelly, I just can see you. If there was a sick gorilla <laughs> that was part of the circus, that you would be like, "Yeah, it's going to come on in, and I'll take care of it.
2: <laughs> just move it on in." Absolutely. I mean, that's just that's just who I am. <laughs> And when we talk about gaudy, it's not in a negative sense. It's just very over
1: the top in terms of the decorative. I mean, we could use the term eccentric. Maybe that would be better than gaudy.
2: Yeah, I think maybe a little bit more eccentric. And it was just a little bit over the top compared to what you would normally see.
1: Yeah, I mean, most people who were building mansions back in this time, it would have been brick, marble, stucco, that kind of thing here in Florida. But to see all these colorful tiles all over it, it was very different.
2: It was very much their own style. Yes, We love the idea that there might have been circus animals in the house. And we think it's hilarious that John would seat the least favored guest facing this picture of what was basically an eviscerated (laughs) boar.
1: I mean, talk about you want people to know that you're really not welcome. I know we invited you for a dinner party, but I hate your guts. So look at that raw meat hanging right in front of you. While you eat
2: your dinner. (laughs) We enter a side room that has many pieces of their silver service and dishes on display. Much of this stuff was emptied out of the house when it sat for ten years, as the house sat in probate and such. There was a large sink in here that Debbie commented had something special about it, but couldn't remember. And the security guard in this room proved that they weren't just there to protect, but they know
1: some history. Here's a sound bite about that. Isn't the
4: sink there's something special about the sink? Huh? I don't know anything special it about it. It
3: was mm-hmm. new for its time. Oh, I bet it was. And you had to be very careful because of denting. Yes. yes. The aluminum sink—it's
2: oh. called German oh. silver. Thank you. And it's an alloy of copper of, of, uh, zinc and nickel. And it's a little softer metal so that they, they wouldn't break China with it.
3: Yeah. Oh. oh nice. Thank you. And it, it was very progressive for its time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, I think we were all just kind of like startled when all of a sudden he got off of his stool from sitting over there in the corner and was like, oh, yeah.
2: I love that. He just seemed so pleased with himself that he could come over and and share some of that history. Yeah,
1: and that we were so excited to find out what was special about it because he's probably never really had the chance to tell anybody.
2: Yeah, probably not. Not many opportunities. I'm sure people just travel right through. But Mm -hmm. he was very happy. I had no idea that they made sinks that were of a softer metal to protect China.
1: I mean, what a great idea.
2: Absolutely. But I had no clue that that was even a thing. Mm -mm. The more you know. Do, do, (laughs) do. Katazan had refrigerators, but not ice boxes. Another big upgrade for the time. There were nine of them in this house.
1: Yeah, I believe they had four in the kitchen. There was four in another storage area. And then there was one with his bar. I was going to say, don't forget
2: the one in the bar.
1: (laughs) But that was something that Virginia was sure to point out when I'd asked about, oh, is that, you know, their ice boxes or refrigerators there when we saw it as we were walking through and she goes, definitely refrigerators. There's not a single icebox in the house. And she goes, it's an important distinction. One of the most magnificent rooms in the house was the court, which served as a living room. What did you think about this when we walked into it to begin with?
2: It was just incredible. I mean, it just looked like a grand entertaining space.
1: Yeah. Usually when you'd go into a living room in a home, you might see a vaulted ceiling or something, but not really because there's four stories here. So maybe a big room, but you wouldn't expect it to go up with all these balcony tiers around it. Right. It's very cool. So as I said, this is a big open room and this is where the Ringlings would entertain, many times featuring music. There's a little balcony on the top story where someone could serenade the guests and get the best acoustics. This was originally supposed to be an open court. Can you imagine if they'd had that open? (laughs) <laughs> no. Because, I mean, it'd be like they'd have this big opening in the middle of their house. I know in Mexico they build their homes with the courthouse in the middle, but it's still kind of closed. Yeah. Yeah. It's still closed off. It's
2: not- And a lot of times it looks like it's completely open to the sky, but then they do have glass over the top or some type of cover. Oh. But it still, it looks like it's open to the sky. Gotcha. But, yeah,
1: that would be amazing. I don't know how they would have actually done that. Mm-hmm. The ringlings filled it with 17th, 18th, and 19th century furnishings and other objects. A crystal chandelier hangs from the 30-foot ceiling, and this was originally hanging at the Waldorf Astoria Hotel in New York. To the side is an aeolian organ that has 2,289 pipes installed in a hidden chamber covered over with tapestries. The organ, unfortunately, does not work anymore, and I needed to look up what an aeolian organ is because I always want to know and this was from the Aeolian Organ Company. This was an American manufacturer that made player pianos and organs.
2: And I didn't realize that it was actually a player organ when we were there, because that is just insane. It's incredible.
1: I didn't either. And I don't know, Virginia might have mentioned it. And I just didn't remember hearing that. But I was like, a player organ? I've never even heard of such a thing. But I mean, if you can make a player piano, why not a player organ, I guess? Well,
2: I, I had one when I used to play, but... Nothing of that scale. So the fact
1: that it was a a pipe organ just impressed me quite a bit. Especially with all those pipes just sitting in this house. Definitely. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like we said, the court is big, but it's not that big. It seems like, wow, it would be really loud in there. I would imagine. (laughs) And now a little break for a word about one of our sponsors. Kelly, I think these Kobo audiobooks have been great for Mort. Yeah, he's been humming while he works rather than growling. And it's been so easy and affordable. We started his subscription and got his first book free and now it just costs $9.99 a month and he can pick an audiobook from the catalog regardless of list price. That's actually amazing because some audiobooks can cost upwards of 35 or $40. And you and I save too by using the code HISTORY40 to get 40% off when a Kobo select audiobooks.
2: They have a huge catalog with bestsellers and originals. There's something for everybody.
1: Yeah, I picked up Matthew Chandler's Bachelor's Grove Cemetery and other haunted places of the Midwest.
2: Speaking of cemeteries, I picked up John Everson's The House by the Cemetery, a tale about a man rehabbing an old house next to a cemetery so he can open it as a haunted house attraction. Only it may be the real deal.
1: Ooh, scary. Hey, Moore, what are you listening to now? The Brothers Manco
0: Wits. It's about these brothers who were Hollywood writers, producers, and directors. They had some really messed up personal lives despite their success with films like Citizen Kane and All About Eve.
1: Am I
2: hallucinating or did Mort really just say all of that?
1: Wow, these Kobo audiobooks are really something. To get started, visit Kobo.com forward slash History Ghost Bump. That's K-O-B-O dot com forward slash History Goes Bump.
0: I think I'll listen to the 30 Day M-B-A next.
2: Before long, Mort's going to be running this show and will be digging the graves.
0: Hey, Spookies, I'm really listening to another romance audio book, but I don't want the girls to know. <laughs>
1: Again, to get started, visit kobo.com forward slash history ghost bump. Sign up for a subscription or use code history40 to get 40% off of an audiobook. The side of the court facing the water had seven sets of French doors with an array of colored glass. The colored glass. Oh my gosh. And it was all different I mean, kinds of colors.
2: It was all different pastels, almost uh-huh. like an Easter
1: kind of feel.
2: Yes. But each individual panel, they were just beautiful.
1: Yeah. So neat. I'd never seen anything like it. Little details that most of us wouldn't even bother to think about. Mabel was thinking about them.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I I would imagine so. And that's probably why the architect and builders were like, oh,
1: God, here she comes again. What crazy (laughs) idea does she have today? I'm sure. The other floors look down on the court with wraparound balconies, making it easy to see the black and white check tiled floor.
2: The most opulent room with an amazing ceiling was the formal dining room. There's a dining room table that accommodates 22 chairs and 20 leaves.
1: I mean, I was like, how far (laughs) must this table stretch? (laughs) Because these aren't little leaves either. We got to see them when we went to the vault because that's where they store all the extra leaves. Yes, they're they're large. big. What would you say, like three feet maybe across? I I would estimate, yeah, that sounds about right. So then imagine 22 of those, this table would have gone for days. (laughs) The walls are made
2: from English black walnut with mahogany trim. The ceiling is made from cast plaster and is painted to make it look like it is actually wood. And that just blew my mind because it looked like it was just this aged, intricately carved wood.
1: wood. Absolutely. Because I looked up and I was like, oh, my God, is this a carved wood ceiling? And then when she said, no, it's just painted. It's just plaster (laughs) and painted to look like wood. We're (laughs) like, I mean, the, the ceilings in this place painted and the walls. I mean, everything was just painted.
2: Every little detail had something going on with it. Like every every place you would look, there were all kinds of intricate details, I guess I should say. Yes.
1: You could spend hours and hours and hours just sitting and looking at things for a while like you would in an art museum.
2: Definitely. I was hanging back. You guys kept moving on. I kept taking all these pictures.
1: (laughs) Well, you have plenty of the ceiling, so make sure to get those up too. Definitely
2: will. There's a Maltese cross at the center, and the rest of the decor reflects Moorish and European Renaissance forms. Adjacent to the dining room is John's tap room, which really looks like a little bar. The wood paneling and stained glass panels come from the bar at Sicardi's Winter Garden in St. Louis. This was a place that hosted society dinners and banquets and wedding receptions.
1: Clearly, somebody heard <laughs> that they were selling off their stuff and John says, I'll take the whole bar. Exactly. And it was so neat. It's very uh, Man-centric shall I say? It's a man cave. Yeah, it's definitely a man (laughs) cave. It's got all kinds of hunting motif in the stained glass. Elephant heads. And then the elephant heads were hanging on the wall. But they weren't taxidermy elephant heads.
2: They were just...
1: Yeah, these were plaster casts or something. Busts of them, essentially. And one was still in the house, but they didn't have the other one. And they found it at a auction or something, didn't they? Or a seems like it wasn't with the house and they found you know it what? somewhere I think, else. I,
2: I think you're right. I think Virginia did mention that, that it was gone. Yeah. And then somehow somebody recovered it, it and they got it back and put it back up. Obviously, prohibition was going on while the Ringlings lived here. But that didn't stop alcohol from being served here. John had his own private reserve that he kept locked
1: away. Yeah, the vault had its own little alcohol Vault inside of it. (laughs) I mean, not even
2: little. It was like floor to ceiling. Yes, it was. Yeah.
1: (laughs) I mean, the vault was a huge room. So that's a walk in closet. Yeah, that's why I was calling it little because it was just a little section of it. We climbed several staircases. It felt like we were climbing for days.
2: It did. It gave me a little bit of vertigo because they were roundy round, too.
1: Yeah, because the thing is, while we were doing this private tour, they also have public tours going on. So Virginia was trying to move us around all of that. So she said, well, why don't we go all the way up to the tower and then we'll hit all the rooms as we're coming back down. And
2: we were going up and down, I think, part of a private staircase. It was was very narrow. A separate little one. Yeah. Maybe it was more of a servants. Yeah, we did not go up. the. There's like a
1: grand staircase to the side that uh, we did not go up and down that. But even for this being the side servant, probably narrow staircase, it was made from marble. It was (laughs) was absolutely gorgeous. I mean, you're expecting to see some creaky old wood, you know, but it was marble. And we also noticed that there was an elevator next to it. So clearly they had an elevator here in the house. Going up to the second floor takes us into the private spaces of the Ringlings. The couple did not share a bedroom, which was pretty standard at that time. And actually, I found it to be pretty standard today, too. And they are very different rooms. But before we visited those spaces, we saw John's office here at the mansion and his exercise room. The floor in the exercise room was made from coquina, which is what you find here in Florida. The shower just off here was another upgrade and there was a hydraulic barber chair.
2: Oh yeah, that's right, it was a gift to
1: him, right? Yeah, somebody said It was fantastic. I loved it. What do you give to the man who has everything? Yes, a hydraulic barber chair. There you go. So apparently he got his haircuts and shaves right there. The ceiling in John's bedroom was just Wow. Oh, my word. I mean, this guy loved art. So he has these huge art pieces on the walls. And then you look up and it's Murals. A, a huge art piece right in the center of the room. Robert Webb painted the ceiling. And while today there's just this large oval painting that I'm talking about that's in the center, it used to cover the entire ceiling. But John felt it was just a bit too busy. <laughs> Which is really ironic. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember exactly what it was of. I, I know you probably took pictures of it, but it had clouds that were coming off of the picture. And so it was yes, like you had did. these huge clouds all over the, mm-hmm. the ceiling. And I think he was like, okay, can we just have that middle part? The furniture in here is French Second Empire and made from mahogany with gilt, bronze, or malu opposite the two beds in here is a painting of napoleon's sister she wasn't quite naked but she did have <laughs> i believe one breast was out of her whatever and i was just like hmm, i wonder what mabel thought of him how and it was a huge painting i mean it wasn't little it no
2: took the it whole was probably wall. 10 feet by 12 feet
1: something it, like that yeah and i was just like i wonder what mabel thinks of him having that on the wall the and then lady. <laughs> i also asked why are there two beds in here because it was just a his bedroom. Party? Yeah, I, I just know. could not understand. And and Virginia's like, I have no idea because I asked her because, you know, I'm one of those people I have to know. And I'm you're, like, you're I, nosy. Yeah, I'm very nosy. <laughs> and I'm like, OK, I could understand that this was a bedroom that they shared and they each had their own bed. Right. But if this is just his bedroom, why are there two queen size beds in here?
2: It's really weird that they don't know that answer. And nobody You would
1: think that other people would ask that <laughs> because I was wondering the same thing. Yeah, it's just it's like walking into a hotel room. Did he have one side where he could lay out his clothes? I don't know. Maybe.
2: I don't know. Go on one bed because it's too warm and then lay on the other bed.
1: I <laughs> guess. This one's a little worn. I think I'll try out that mattress next. And then right off of his bedroom is his bathroom. And it is interesting, particularly because it is all made from gold sienna marble. Everything is made from it. This included the sink, the bathtub, and the toilet. Well, wait a minute. The
2: toilet was painted to look oh, you're right. like that marble. You're and right. they did a fantastic faux job. I've just never... You walk in and you just feel like you're in
1: a marble the sea of a marble. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the it walls, was so everything. so unique. Yeah. This marble is now extinct. You can't find it anywhere. So... Even though this place was abandoned and everybody would kind of gone through and taken things, the fact that this is still here is
2: incredible.
1: And they said the bathroom alone was probably worth about $35,000 with yep. the marble. I'm betting it's probably even worth more since it's extinct. You can't get it anywhere.
2: Right. I would imagine so. Mabel had a smaller bedroom than John, but there was a dressing room attached that was fairly spacious. Here is a soundbite featuring one of the tour guides talking about her room.
4: You're gonna notice a difference in atmosphere as soon as you walk into Mrs. Ringling's room. After being in the public rooms downstairs or Mr. Ringling's room that was so large and with the motifs of victory and meaning, this is a much more private and Mm -hmm. quiet space. And I would say uh, serene, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Mr. Ringling would have wanted a room that would face to the west, the bay, and his real estate possessions. But Mrs. Ringling would have wanted one that Mm -hmm. faced the front the landscape aspects of the estate. She was the first president of the garden club, right? And so her rose garden was finished in 1913. Remember they bought their first house in 1911? 1913, the rose garden is done. And before the banyan trees were grown up, she could maybe catch a glimpse of rose garden from here, and certainly from her balcony. Mrs. Ringling's, well, I should say it like this. If your bed was below a vault, You'd want railroad ties to hold up the ceiling, wouldn't you? Well, then uh, the artist, Webb, had to then decorate. So what did he do? He put those shields in and the punctuation marks to decorate the ceiling. Now, folks, if I do a good job today, and uh, I think you've already got a sense of my passion for this, the Ringling story is very compelling. You're going to go home, you're going to do some music. If you find out what those punctuation marks mean, you tell us because we really don't know. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mrs. Ringling's furniture is exquisite, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Bronze figures covered in gold, uh, sandalwood and tulip wood, but look at the monkey swinging on the vine. <laughs> it's, it's got some whimsy to it. You know, I mentioned Robert Webb a minute ago and doing the ceiling. I want to talk about the wallpaper. It's canvas. I think you know where I'm going with this. It's hand-painted canvas, he did that. Mm-hmm. Wow. No now I apologize. I might have to come back to the bed. The lace coverlet is museum quality lace. But Mrs. Ringling didn't do this as a a show type of thing. She extended similar things to her guests. If you stayed here, you had the finest linens, towels, etc. We're gonna see some examples of that in this in a dressing room here in the shelves as we walk through, okay, to the guest room. I do also want to point out that the bathtub has four
5: taps, two for fresh water tunes as oh, well.
3: I was told that punctuation marks were to delight Mabel. And I'm like, what does that mean? He said, Well think about it. You're lying in bed, you have no television, you have no internet, so what are you going to do? Put your punctuation marks on your ceiling. <laughs> okay.
2: The bed was really neat with the little monkey on the headboard and the punctuation marks on the ceiling certainly were unique.
1: Well, what was interesting about it is when the guy was talking about the punctuation marks, I was looking at the shields that were painted up there, mm-hmm. and I thought that he was saying that the shields were like punctuation marks on the ceiling. You oh, know how funny that it was like spacing out the fact that the ceiling didn't have anything on it.
2: Oh no, I I noticed immediately that they were actual punctuation
1: marks, and then, and then we so started... I started taking photos because I'm like, this is kind of odd, <laughs> and we started to walk out of the room, and as we're walking out, I looked up and I'm like. Quotation marks, semicolon, comma, wait a minute, (laughs) he really meant punctuation marks. And then I was like, what? (laughs) I just love these people. (laughs) So eccentric.
2: And I can understand her reservations about having her bedroom below the vault, which was very large. The hand-painted walls were amazing, too. There are five guest rooms on the second floor, and one of them had a neat medicine cabinet that Mabel had painted on the inside to make it look more interesting. I mean, every little detail in this home.
1: It's like usually when you open up a medicine cabinet, it's just the inside of a medicine cabinet. But she had like a tree in there and it said something like welcome. And and
2: I think it had like flowers trailing down. Like maybe I think it maybe was dogwood or cherry blossom, something like that. I think you're right. But every little detail, there's there's something to look at everywhere. It's kind of like walking into a home where there's tchotchkes, like just everywhere yeah and you have to like walk around and look at each individual thing they did that they had that same effect just with the paintings and the murals and Mm -hmm. the artwork and I mean it was just incredible
1: yeah walking through this house was like walking through an art museum where people actually lived definitely the third floor is home to the game room which is very whimsical the walls are painted as though you were within a circus tent Ceiling was painted by Willie Pagani, which you've heard mentioned throughout several of these sound bites. He pretty much painted all of the ceilings in the house, and he was given free reign, and he went hog wild. And he even painted himself in here, prancing out of the room. He looked like a little jester, kind of dancing his way out. And
2: I think he had a paintbrush in hand.
1: Yes, he did. It was as if he was painting himself <laughs> out of the room. Mabel and John appear in Venetian carnival costumes in the center of the ceiling, and I think John's even playing a little. What do you call the little uh, guitar type thing that they used to play?
2: Oh, I think he had a ukulele.
1: Yeah, something like, like that. Was a mandolin? was it was a, a mandolin. Yeah, I think it was a mandolin. They had all their pets around them, including all the dogs and birds, which they had many, many of. There are supporting posts throughout the room, and these are decorated with carnival masks. There's a poker table and a billiard table in here, and the little balcony that overlooks the court is off of the game room here. The whole room just floored me. It- <laughs>
2: As did the whole mansion, but it was just crazy. All the details, like every little bit of it looked like the circus and it just had so much going on. You could just, we really needed more time to walk through slower Mm -hmm. to appreciate it all, I think.
1: (laughs) What I thought was fun about it is you walk into it, you're thinking, okay, this is the game room. You're looking at it. It's got a painted ceiling. It's painted as if you're in a circus tent. You're thinking kids playroom," but they didn't have children. So this is their game room.
2: Yeah, pretty much, and I love the little windows with the wrought iron. I think it was almost like a safe room, wasn't it? Didn't it they was. mention it was yep. a safe room? Yep. It
1: was set up like a safe room because it, it had the windows were these just narrow little slits, almost like if you guys look at some of those old mansions. I'm thinking about the Lemp Mansion in St. Louis, where at the very top it has just these little slitted windows. They're
2: almost like ventilation under eaves. Yeah, but that's not what it was. Yeah.
1: And that's exactly what these windows were like, too. And I have pictures of that as well. <laughs> we'll make sure to put those up. The fourth floor has only one room, and it is a guest room. That's it. You go up to the fourth floor, and it's just this... It wasn't a really large room, I wouldn't say. It was no, probably it a standard nice. hotel room size, and it had its own bathroom. And then we got... I love the
2: inset tile on the floor. They had the border Oh, yeah, 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 that's right. Yes, it had like the ceramic, the decorative. It kind of had an Italian look to it. Yes. The blue and white going around the border of the room. And then was it terracotta floor? Like not not terracotta, but the terracotta tiles? Yeah, I think you're right. It was a nice contrast.
1: Yeah. We got a special treat by being able to go up onto the tower, which most people don't get to do, but since we were with Virginia... She got the security guard to let us go out there. And you could look out over the water. Over on the other side, you could see the entire Ringling estate. So it was just gorgeous. There's a rose garden that's on the property. And the entire complex now is over 66 acres. And it's basically a large arboretum.
2: Yeah, it's gorgeous. They have all all varieties of plants. They have most of them labeled. I mean, it was just... It was such a fantastic day. Yeah. <laughs> it was and they, such a park like setting. It
1: was just gorgeous. There was even remember we saw the rainbow eucalyptus. Yes, we did. And it was so much fun because somebody had posted in the Spooktacular crew, just as synchronicity always happens around here. Somebody had posted that in there. And I'm like, is that even a real tree? <laughs> yes. And it you is. were like, yes, it is. And then here we go to the Ringling Estate, I think a week or two after it had been posted and we looked over and I went, oh, my God, is that like the rainbow? <laughs> eucalyptus? Right and you're like, yes. And I was like, it is a real tree. So that was so cool. The other cool thing on the property, I don't know if we've mentioned this yet. I don't think we did. They had these six flagpoles. That were almost the size of a tent flagpole. They couldn't be quite the size because planes fly into Sarasota. They have an international airport there. Right.
2: They had a a height limit that they had to abide by. They had to
1: bring them down, but they were spaced exactly as they would have been when the main circus tent was set up with its three rings. So you kind of got a feel for how big the circus tent would have been as you walked along these flagpoles that were there.
2: Indeed, they did. Mabel Ringling had Addison's disease and diabetes, and in 1929 she became seriously ill while the couple was in New York. She was taken to a nursing home, and within a few days she had died. John took it very hard and distanced himself from friends. There are those who claim that John was an angry and domineering man whom the circus performers feared, but there were others who claimed he was just private. Whichever is true, His drive to own more art and to invest in projects would start to hurt his finances. And then with the Great Depression, he was hit with a devastating financial blow from which he could not recover. He owed taxes and his Ritz-Carlton project that he had started in 1926 was bleeding him. He entered into a doomed marriage with a young widow named Emily Buck in 1930. John had a stroke and his health just continued to deteriorate. He divorced Emily in 1936 and shortly thereafter died of pneumonia on December 2, 1936. He had been one of the wealthiest men in America, worth millions, but he died with less than $400 in the bank. He willed his entire estate to the state of Florida and gave his nephew John Ringling North the circus, who was 35 at the time.
1: John Ringling North had grown up under the tutelage of his uncle John, for whom he was named. And this is Ida North's son just so that everybody knows where he falls in the family. Right. He took to the family business and made the circus even better by developing themes and bringing in aerial ballerinas. He had the style of his uncle and became a playboy and loved to party. He was married for a couple of years of his life, but after he got divorced, he was just off and running. And what I heard is he was not a very attractive guy, But uh, he seemed to draw the women to him. I don't know if it was the money, the circus. Could be or it could be his boisterous personality if he was very charming. Could be. He liked to dress just like his Uncle John. So he was always dressed to the nines. He made the circus more sophisticated, but he was still a showman at heart. And he bought a 550 pound gorilla named Gargantua from a woman in New York who could no longer house him.
2: Can you imagine owning a gorilla in New York with most of the housing being as small as it is? I mean, where? I don't know. Maybe upstate? And how she got a hold of a gorilla. Definitely not in Manhattan. (laughs) I wouldn't imagine.
1: Because it wasn't like a zoo call and said, you know, he's too big for our cages here. You want him? It was a woman. It's like she had raised him or something. I don't know. And at that time, a gorilla anywhere was rare, but especially in the circus. And so he was an absolute hit. They added a female gorilla later and dubbed her Gargantua's wife. Only problem, they hated each other. So there was no no mating or hanging out with each other. She was definitely not his wife. This acquisition probably kept the circus out of bankruptcy because it was starting to go down a little bit. And when he brought that on, it just gave it the boost that it needed. North debuted a new act in 1942 that came to be known as the Circus Polka and incorporated 50 elephants doing a ballet with music written by Igor Stravinsky and choreographed by George Balanchine. North then joined with Cecil B. DeMille to make the motion picture The Greatest Show on Earth, starring North, Jimmy Stewart, Charlton Heston, Betty Hutton, and Dorothy Lemure. In 1967, North sold the circus to the Feld family, and you guys know the rest of that history. Before we explore the other buildings at the Ringling, there are two
2: off-site locations we want to talk about that are connected to John Ringling and also Have ghost
1: stories. (laughs) We love having all these ghost stories. (laughs) Definitely. The first
2: is a Ringling Ritz-Carlton, or what was supposed to be the Ringling Ritz-Carlton. As we mentioned, John Ringling basically went bust financially. The Ritz-Carlton would prove to be one of his missteps. He had decided to build this deluxe hotel on the south end of Longboat Key, which he could see from his office at Cotteson.
1: And for people who don't know, he bought a whole bunch of keys that were right off of their home there. So there was Bird Key, and I can't even remember what the other ones were, but I think he had four or five of them that he owned. They were just these little bitty islands. Still amazing. Yeah.
2: (laughs) The plan was to have 200 rooms, a rail line to bring customers in, and also a dock. How would you have a rail line come in, I guess, built the bridge?
1: It was called the Ringling Causeway, and yes, it was a railroad track that they were bringing on out there.
2: Ringling signed a contract to pay $5,000 to use the Ritz-Carlton name. A contract was signed in February of 1926, and completion was to happen that December. The builder was the Hegemon Harris Company, Inc. of New York. Building commenced, but John soon had to stop it because of other financial obligations. John would never start the project up again, even though he had already spent
1: $650,000. Can you imagine? And if you see pictures of it, then, too. yeah, historically, it yeah. almost looked like it was done when you looked at it from the outside, oh, but... Man. Yeah, so they were they had it close, but he just didn't have the money anymore. And when right. he lost most of his money in the financial collapse with the stock Depression. market crashing, he just couldn't get it back. So sad. John Ringling North had become the executor of the estate, and he committed to finishing the hotel, but the plan never materialized, and the building project sat abandoned. The Arvida Corporation approached North in 1959, and he sold them the land so that they could develop Longboat Key and Bird Key. There were many who thought that the Ritz-Carlton would be perfect to turn into a convention center, since Sarasota did not have one. But the Arvida Corporation was not interested in finishing the hotel. Demolition began on December 2nd, 1963, and it was rough because the hotel was really well built. Some described it like a fortress. It had 20-inch thick walls. Oh, my word. So when the wrecking ball hit it, it barely made a dent. Wow. So, it took a while but the structure was eventually brought down and the debris was used for fill behind the Civic Center and City Island. I wonder if it was made of coquina. Oh, you know what? I don't know exactly what building material was used, but because
2: the fort in St. Augustine, yeah. I mean it it,
1: it can take cannonballs and <laughs> cannonballs and
2: bullets and stuff and barely have hmm. any damage to it.
1: There's a resort there now called Longboat Key Club and on the exact site is the Chart House restaurant. I love the Chart House. <laughs> Yeah, I've never been to one, but I've heard it's pretty fancy. And this would be fun because... I love their brown bread. (laughs) Oh, I don't like brown bread.
2: I know you don't, but it's delicious. It's just a a little hint of sweet, very soft and very tasty.
1: Maybe we'll have to go there for a fancy meal one of these days if we can ever go to a restaurant again.
2: (laughs) Right. Yes, please. (laughs) Because it's haunted. Oh, even better. (laughs) Before being demolished, the skeleton of the abandoned hotel became a place for people to hang out and party. They called it the Ghost Hotel.
1: Fitting. I guess so.
2: (laughs) Today, people who stay at the resort or eat at the restaurants claim to have some weird experiences. And the main reason why could be that so many people fell to their deaths during the construction. Yeah, I think there was eight in total. Yikes. A construction worker had brought his son with him to the site and tragically, the boy fell down an elevator shaft. Now people claim to see a small boy in the men's restroom at the chart house. There's another haunted restroom again. Ironically, this time it's not the
1: women's. No, it's the men's. But yeah, I yeah, I, again, I don't know if it's the water or what.
2: Employees also claim to see him after hours playing with a ball or sitting in the seating area. Patrons of the restaurant claim to feel cold spots. And
1: outside, there have been disembodied screams heard. I imagine those must be of people falling, maybe. I would think so. The other offsite location is the Keating Center at the Ringling School for Art and Design. So you probably are like, oh, they've got all these things called Ringling in Sarasota. They really were prominent people there, built up a ton of stuff, invested a ton of money into Sarasota. The circus invested heavily there. They had all kinds of circus stuff at one time there, too. So definitely Charles House is right next to the Ringling. It's not exactly on the property, Right, it's just no, but it it it. butts
2: right up next to it, and it's right on the water. Also, I think they they had like that whole area plus other other
1: locations throughout the town. The first house that was there, that clapboard house that they bought, I don't. He must have torn that down. I'm wondering if that's the one that somebody had lived in and died in that Virginia had mentioned to me. Because when I told her, it depends upon what was on the property before, she said, well, there had been a house here before. Oh,
2: that's right. When we were looking at the train cars. Mm -hmm. And one
1: of the people had died here. Right. And so I was like, oh, but there's no word that person even haunting the place. Right. But yeah, Charles had his house basically right next door. He was the next door neighbor. And now uh, the University of Southern Florida or something, one of the universities owns it, I guess. Right. This uh, Keating Center at the Ringling School for Art and Design is about two miles south of the Ringling. This had been the Bay Haven Hotel, and the hotel had been built in 1925. In 1931, John Ringling bought the hotel and transformed it into the art school. A student named Nate Greco had returned to his room to find a hairbrush levitating above a desktop one day. Okay, then. Be a little stunning. (laughs) Another student named Randy Morris had been doing some art in the Harmon Hall, and he went to the bathroom. As he washed his hands, he noticed that there were a set of female feet under the stall door. So you can imagine that he's like, am I in the wrong bathroom or is she? <laughs> I totally Oops. would second guess. I'd run out and look at the label on the door I'm, or the sign. I'm going to assume there's some urinals in there. So he's <laughs> like, she's in the wrong place. Over three hours, he went into the bathroom four times and the feet were always there. who Don't think it was a girl who was having some issues IBS. for many, many hours. <laughs> many students and staff are sure that a spirit named Mary roams Keating Center. The story about Mary is that she was an 18-year-old woman plying her trade at the hotel, and you know what trade that was. She became depressed and hanged herself in a stairwell on an upper floor or was murdered, depending on who was telling the story. And this is where many stories of haunting activity take place, on these upper floors. Her apparition has been seen hovering in the halls. Christina Cicilano, who was a former student, said that she'd had several run-ins with Mary. One night she saw Mary run across a room in a black dress or nightgown she woke one night to the crashing of a vase and when a ghostly face appeared just in front of hers scaring her she yelled go to bed mary <laughs> and the spirit disappeared That's maybe a way to handle it I was say, if we ever see a ghost in the room i'm just go gonna to tell them, go to bed mary sometimes knocks over furniture and knocks on doors and disembodied footsteps are also heard as seems to be the case at every haunted location
2: The Assolo Theater was originally a historic theater that was located in Assolo, Italy. This is a town just outside Venice. Built in 1798 by Italian impresario Antonio Lucatelli, it was within the Queen of Cyprus's castle of Caterina Cornaro. The theater was a horseshoe shaped with four tiers and stood for many years, but was eventually dismantled in 1930 and put into storage.
1: Can you imagine I'm just going to take this theater (laughs) apart. and storage? Usually we just tear things down. I mean,
2: it just blows my mind when they're able to do stuff like that. Yeah. The director of the John and Mabel Ringling Museum of Art had heard about the theater and he approached the state of Florida to see if they would be interested in purchasing it. And they did. When it first was included on the Ringling property, it fit into a gallery in the museum, but was then moved and reconstructed to where it is now. We haven't heard of any hauntings in here, but we thought it was really cool that this had been part of a theater in late 1700 Italy.
1: Especially since the Ringlings loved Italy so much. It's just perfect. Yes, fits in very well. And how you take an old theater that was put in storage, ship it across the pond, and then rebuild it here. It's like, wow.
2: (laughs) It's not like just taking an old house and raising, not raising it, but putting it up on the the trucks that we see Mm -hmm. and driving it down the road. It's a little bit more intense. And I
1: still think it's crazy that back in the day, they used to take these huge Victorian homes and just move them a few blocks or move them to another city or whatever. state. Yeah. I've seen that too. These aren't mobile homes. Exactly. (laughs) The Circus Museum was founded by the first director of the Ringling, A. Everett Austin. This was the first circus museum of its kind, and inside there are circus memorabilia, posters, wagons, costumes, and John and Mabel's private Pullman Railroad car. When we went, there was also a wagon wheel display that was really colorful and cool. I really loved it. Yeah, that was really neat. I loved it. Yeah, I love the circus wagons. And so then to see the circus wheel display, because you never really think about how different all of the circus wheels are. So that was cool. Exactly. The Dibbles Learning Center is part of this complex, too, and within this building is that giant mural of the performers you heard us mention during the performers episode and the Howard Brothers Circus model that we mentioned in the first episode. This is a great place for kids. It has these hands-on experiences so kids can walk the tightrope <laughs> like Kelly did, not <laughs> shoot a figure from a cannon, and sit in a clown car, which is what I did. So basically, Kelly and I are just big kids since we tried all of those different things out.
2: We are. There, and I'm proud of it.
1: There <laughs> was even a the back of a horse that was close to the ground that you could get up and stand on it as if you were doing some kind of... Vaulting.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Acrobatic but, not thing. Not just the back end, but the whole upper torso of the horse.
1: <laughs> yes. I'm sorry. Yes. I mean, you were, you were aiming for its back end. Right. Yeah. <laughs> There is so much memorabilia inside that it's not surprising to hear of hauntings in here. We picked up nothing on any of the recordings that we did. The main ghost that's been reported here is said to belong to a circus priest who had traveled with the Ringlings in the 1920s. I don't know anything more about him. If he had died while they were out doing the circus and why he would be here if he was connected to some of the memorabilia, I I don't know. Others claim that the apparition that wanders the museum is John Ringling. And that makes a lot more sense to me because not only was he the circus king, their train car is also inside this building. And that train car was
2: impressive. Oh my (laughs) gosh.
1: I mean, talk about luxury on a train track. Absolutely. I mean, they had a full on bathtub. Yeah, there was a bathtub. There was beds. They had ice boxes on there with a Mm -hmm. full gourmet kitchen. Beautiful
2: stained glass windows. Hmm? It was just gorgeous. It was. It was. John and Mabel Ringling Museum of Art is a great place to wander if you enjoy both classical art and modern art. All forms are represented here depending on what exhibits they have on display. John and Mabel were big collectors of art, and John had a large number of art books. He was an expert on many aspects, and the design of the museum was to his specifications. There's a statue of David outside, and the interior features the Ringling Crest that John had designed himself.
1: Yeah, we'll see if we can find uh I'm sure you got a picture of I that I do have too. a
2: picture of it. And it's interesting because the thing of the day I believe was to display your crest, mm-hmm. your family crest, and he didn't have one. Yeah. The Ringlings so didn't he, have one. He so. made it.
1: He's like, "Here <laughs> it's it very is." cool. You said the statue of David was outside. There was a whole bunch of statues out there. There were. I'm not sure what all they were of, but I recognize David. <laughs> well. <laughs> he's he's kind hard, of hard to miss. To miss. <laughs> My mom had a mini statue
2: of him up on a shelf in our family room when I was a kid. And oh my gosh, I would just like turn 10 shades of red and when my friends came over. If Don't any look of them it. Back, <laughs> noticed it, it's can like turn oh, it around. Mom, can we please just hide it? Can we get rid of it? And she has it to this day. You know, oh. they've moved a few times since then. She mm-hmm. still has it out and on display. <laughs> it is a piece of art.
1: You know what's interesting <laughs> is that I've seen this David statue here. We saw the David statue, which is in St. Augustine outside of the Ripley's Auditorium. Right. And then I've seen the real actual David in Italy. And you saw the one at my parents' house. <laughs> and I've seen the one at your parents' house. So, yeah, I've seen a lot of Davids. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. When John
2: died, the museum was given to the state of Florida, and it became the official state art museum. There are approximately 10,000 pieces of art inside, including sculpture, photography, paintings, and drawings. There is a world-renowned collection of Gian Battista Pitoni and Peter Paul Rubens paintings. The state wasn't taking very good care of the museum, so Florida State University took over in 2000. Docents and guards in the museum claimed to see the apparition of John walking through to visit his art collection.
1: Which I wouldn't doubt, because this was the most precious thing to him. Yes, absolutely. And it's really great that he was able to hold on to all of that, even though he was having all of his financial issues. Well, you can see where his priorities... Yeah, he didn't sell any of that Uh, art. He held on to it, even though it's like, I'm bankrupt. But he loved it. Yeah, so his passion. Well, we said he didn't have you know, he basically had less than four hundred dollars in the bank. He
2: He, could have sold a lot of things. He was worth a lot of money and he
1: still had Katazan. He did whatever he could to hold on to that too. And also the circus. He was
2: Definitely I think they took
1: him off the board when he started to have issues with the money and everything, but he obviously still had control that he was able to give it over to his nephew. Definitely. Even though there were no deaths at on, there are stories of ghosts. Current caretakers and docents don't like to talk about them, as we mentioned. So we had no luck getting any stories from them. We, I thought for sure we're going there, we're gonna get stories from them. They're gonna tell us all kinds of stuff, and it was like, don't even talk about ghosts.
2: Right. Well, I mean, it just depends upon the individual business. A lot of times, businesses don't want to discuss things like that because mm-hmm. they're worried about it scaring people off. Other times, they show it off and they feel like it's going to bring people in. So it, it just varies depending upon the owners.
1: Yeah, so it was just a complete difference to talk to the owners of the Al Ringley mansion and have them like gobs and gobs and Certainly. gobs of stories yeah. and then to go to Katizan and they're like, no ghosts here. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the place that I'd really heard was haunted. You right. know, Virginia, of course, as we said, did tell us that there had been a house on the site and that somebody had died in that previous home. It is also important to note that although Mabel and John died in New York, their bodies are actually buried here on the property, along with John's sister, Ida. And before we went there, I did not know that.
2: I know. I'm so bummed that (laughs) we didn't know.
1: So as I was researching this, I went, wait a minute. And they're buried in something called the Secret Garden, which is supposed to be near the art museum, I guess. Right. And I was like, "Ah." I missed it. Virginia had asked, what all did we want to see? If I would have known that they were buried there. Definitely. So I should have done a little better research before we went. I mean, I
2: I agree with that. But at the same time, there's so much
1: to be seen. Yeah. I mean, I love art and everything. So no docking on that. I mean, I think our listeners who are creators know that I love art, but I'm I'm not a big walk through an art museum person. I just sure. It's not my thing. I like to look at art and stuff like that. But it's I generally will not pay to go through an art museum because it just isn't my thing. I would pay to go see a cemetery. Yeah,
4: absolutely. <laughs> I
1: I was really bummed that we didn't get to see that. Yeah, so I was like, ah, future trip. Dang it. So anyway, trip. <laughs> their bodies are here, and we know that occasionally your spirit seems to be attached to your body. Plus, this is their home. They loved this home. Right. It was it was the only what I would say quote unquote home they had. They had apartments in other places and condos and stuff. But this was a home and this was something that Mabel had built to exactly. her specifications. Yes, very much so. So I could see why their spirits would want to come back here in the afterlife. Mabel, her spirit is often seen up on the terrace where we were hanging out. The problem is, again, there were tours going on. So if we caught right, an EVP on. on the recording, I didn't hear it because there was so much. I think there was at least too two much or, contamination. Two or three other groups in there here and there. She also is seen out in the Rose Garden, which was her special place. Did take some photos of the roses. But occasionally she's seen out there. The doors to her dressing room open and close on their own on occasion. And even though she did have a smaller bedroom than John, her dressing room was really nice. Oh, it was beautiful. It had, you know, it had the bathtub in there and everything, but she had closets and drawers and stuff all over. And there was a little vanity in there. So that's where they put all of her extra room into rather than where her bed was at. People who take tours here claim to feel cold spots and to hear footsteps. Of course, John's spirit has been seen walking around the house as well. There's lots of art that they still have inside of the house and tapestries. So I'm sure they're looking at all that great stuff, too.
2: When Diane was interviewing Joe Colosa, he shared that he had been friends with the prior caretaker, Ron, who was not shy about talking about the ghosts. Joe shares what he had heard about paranormal activity at the mansion.
1: Yeah, it was really cool because I wasn't expecting to hear anything about Katizan when I was talking to Joe and Carmen. And then he goes, hey, do you want to hear some stories about Katizan? And I said, oh, my gosh, do you know some? And he goes, yeah, I was friends with Ron who was the caretaker right before whoever's taken over now. And Ron was caretaker for, gosh, 30 years, years, I think. Yeah, I
2: think it was 30 years. And even even when the finances were tight Mm -hmm. and so
1: forth, he still did his very best. It Mm -hmm. sounded like he worked really hard to try to keep everything together. And he loved telling the ghost stories. He had no problem sharing that, having people come investigate and do things like that. So it's very different that all of a sudden now everybody's like tight lipped about it. So when Joe asked if I wanted to hear some, I was like, bless you, because (laughs) I I always hate having to just look up stuff. I like to get either our personal experiences, our listeners' experiences, or other people's personal experiences, because it's not something that you can just read off the Internet. It's fresh, it's unique. So I was like, yes, please tell me. So we're going to go ahead and play that soundbite for you here.
5: There's a lot of great stories with the docents down at the Ringling Museum in Sarasota. Herman and I would always ask them, and a lot of them, you know, would ask them if the place was haunted. And they say, no, 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 only because they were told to. Mm-hmm. And then finally, after going there for several years, we became very good friends with Ron McCarty, who was the curator there, the caretaker of Connison. Unfortunately, he's retired now. He finally broke it and said, yeah, of course the place is haunted. Told us some really great stories about John Ringling kind of hanging around that place. So fascinating stuff.
1: Is there one of those in particular you wouldn't mind sharing? Because, yeah, they are very tight-lipped down here. As far as they're concerned, it's not haunted.
5: Yeah, yeah, that's what they're. That's what's going to happen. Unless you get on the inside there, they're going to tell you there's no spirits. Yeah, I, I could tell you some stories. So one of them is a lot of times when they come in in the morning to open up Katazan, they can smell uh, cigar smoke and cognac. You know how cognac has a very strong smell? Yeah. I don't know. You ever drank it but it's got a very strong smell well john ringling that was his favorite drink okay and you know if you know a little bit about john ringling i don't know if you do or not but john ringling was a night owl so okay. john ringling got up and had breakfast at five or six o'clock in the evening right now he'd be having breakfast and then at midnight he would have lunch and then at five or six in the morning before he went to bed that's when he would have dinner and then he'd go to bed so, and he'd have his nightcap in the morning. So, when they come in, they would. A lot of times, they smell cognac or cigar smoke. And Ron said, a lot of times when he went in there, he'd always smell it. And he'd say to John, "John, go to bed. We're getting ready to open for tours. Go get some sleep." And he said, you know, a minute or two later, the smell would disappear, and that'd be the end of it. So, Interesting. And then the other thing is, John Ringling's first wife was Mabel Ringling. Mabel, unfortunately, had passed away when Catazan was new around 1826, 27, I think she died in 28, I think, or 29, just before the stock market crash. And he remarried. He married a, a girl named Emily Buck. And uh, they say that that Emily floats around that place as well. They think several times, Ron claims he's seen her moving through the house. Mm. And uh, I asked him if he ever saw John Ringling. And he said, you know, he said, I don't think I've ever seen him, Joe. But he said, I think I've sensed him many times. He said, I felt like he was there. And he said, certainly with the cognac and the cigar smoke, his presence is there, you know. Sure. What's incredible about Catazan is when John Ringling died, he was at his apartment in New York. You know, it was in December, I think it was December 6th or 7th, 1936, that he passed away. And uh, he never made it back down to Catazan for the winter. So when he packed up in the spring of 36 and went north, he basically just closed up shop like he was going to come back again. Fast forward, you know, he passed away. And then fast forward to recent times, they were doing heavy restoration to Catazan and Ron said, that a lot of the drawers of the cabinets that were in Katazan were locked and there were no keys, so they were never able to open them. So he said to do a, to do a really good appraisal and a really good inventory of what was there, he had a locksmith come in and make keys, you know, skeleton keys for all these things or get skeleton keys that would open this stuff. And when they opened up John Ringling's bedroom drawers, all of his clothes were still neatly folded in there, right down to his socks, his his ties, his underwear, everything all still there.
1: Well, I did see they had some of his clothes right there in the closet, too. That was really neat.
5: Yeah, they did take some of it out and hang it up. But when we used to go tour Katazan, Ron would open up the drawers for us and show us all that stuff, which (laughs) the general public can get to see. And then also when you saw John Ringling's bar, he would go behind the bar and open up the cabinets and all of John Ringling's private label liquor is all still in there with john ringling and all the labels it's all still there with liquor still in the bottles
1: wow (laughs) that's great there are many reasons for the ringling to have haunts there's so much energy here from not only the circus but parts of the ringling family mabel and john love this home Did they decide to return to it in the afterlife are the ringling and these other locations haunted that is for you to decide well, Kelly, I have no doubt we will be returning there again someday. And there's lots of things around Sarasota that I want you to check out, not just seeing the Ringling again, but there's great beaches along the Gulf Definitely Coast. Definitely looking forward to it. These are the most beautiful beaches that we have in Florida are on the Gulf Coast. And one in particular, Siesta Key, is the most beautiful beach. It's been ranked almost the top beach in the world many, Fantastic. many times.
2: Looking forward to going and collecting some shells, maybe. We'll definitely have to do that when they open our beaches.
1: True. (laughs) True dat. (laughs) We want you guys to check out our website at historygoesbump.com. And if you want to send us some feedback, you can do that at historygoesbump at gmail.com. We did get a message from Kurt. He says, thought I would drop you a quick side note on the Ringling Brothers Circus that people don't know. In 1880, the town of Cascade, Iowa saved the circus. And from that day forward, anybody from Cascade, Iowa could enter for free. That promise was kept till the day the circus quit recently. Wow. Can you believe that? Wow. He didn't say how they saved the circus. So Kurt, I'd love to know more. You can go to the Cascade historical site for the whole story. Kind of cool. Thanks for a great show. Just started listening. Very cool. Yeah. So I thought that was really neat that they gave him lifetime access. If you're from there, come on into the circus for free. Good people. And you know what's really cool, the whole re- the whole reason why the Ringling Brothers really got interested in the circus too is one of the bits of lore is their dad was a saddler and it was said that he did some of the saddling for the circus when they came, so they gave him tickets as payment. I remember that. I don't know if that's true or not, so we didn't really share that in Dig the last episode. It. But if it is true, it's kind of cool that it's carried over to they got free tickets, so now they give free tickets, that kind of thing. And I think it's probably pretty well known, if you're in the Spectacular crew, you know for sure... We had a live show that was going to be hosted in Louisville, Kentucky here on April 25th. Right. we were going to do it with Hillbilly Horror Stories and the Voice from the Brohio podcast. Obviously, we have had to cancel that. We're very bummed about that, but we're even more bummed because we had bought tickets to the public investigation of Waverly Hills for 14 of us. And we were so excited because we we're <sighs> going to bring that to you so guys bummed. in a show and we're going to do live Shots from there. To be continued. Yeah. So obviously we had to cancel that too. We are thankful for you listening to this episode as well. I have been your host, Diane. And this has been Kelly. You take care now. Bye-bye. This episode has been brought to you by Kobo and our executive producers. Dispatches
0: from the Grave
1: Digger. We'd like to thank Mindy for your one-time donation. And of course, she's done more than just one donation. So thank you for another donation. Exactly. And we want to welcome into the cemetery Faith Quinlan. You will be buried under a marble tombstone. And Ashley Contreras, you're going to be buried in a chest tomb. Thank you so much, ladies.
0: Want to keep the spooks away? Give us a review.
2: His hair in a non-fashionable round hair. Sorry, <laughs> I don't remember that from the photo.
1: I mean, it's not like it's like Mo's, a bowl bowl cut, but it's way up high. Okay, that, but he did I it mean, did oh. come down on the sides too. But it's okay. kind of got a little.
2: It was like curly
1: like this. It was, it was oh,
2: okay, like so it wasn't like
1: smooth hanging down. No, not like cut. Mo. Okay, <laughs> well, I mean, that's where my mind went. And talk about John Ringling, and talk about John Ringling. Ringling <laughs> And small
2: ghost ghost coast.
1: Well they ghost we are gonna be talking gulf about the ha- haunting, so I guess Got they could have lived on the, on the small ghost coast.
2: <laughs> and small gulf coast living with a home in Sarasota. We love the idea that there might have been animal circus animal circuses. <laughs> yeah, there were animal circuses Kelly. <laughs>
1: We love the idea that there might have been animal circuses in the I'd house. I'd like to say
2: I'm on painkillers for my back
1: right now, but I <laughs> <laughs> just can't speak. Starring North, Jimmy Stewart, Carleton, Charles, Carlton, Charles, Carlton. Heston. Do, do the Carlton. <laughs> I'm sure you'd be thrilled to know about
2: that. <laughs> that's that's the other dance at Carlton from Fresh Prince of Bel Air
1: does. Charlton Heston, Betty Hutton, and Dorothy L'Amour. Lemure, Lemure, Mm -hmm. and Dorothy Lemure. In late (laughs) 17,000. In the year 17,000. I can just see that song now saying, In the year 17,000. I've got Tiger Bomb on the brain. (laughs) (laughs) Too much sniffing (laughs) it. Well, I'm sniffing it too. Why am I not having issues? (laughs)